I turned my head and saw a lady coming downstairs. She was dressed in a black dress which swept around her like a cloud, and at her neck was a narrow white frill which shone like ivory. Her eyes were very bright and blue as violets. I sprang to my feet and smiled up into the beautiful grave face she bent towards me. She gave an answering smile, and her deep-set eyes seemed to pierce me. I caught my breath as I stood aside to let her pass, and suddenly she was gone. The clock ticked loudly, the lamplighter's whistle fluted through the air, and the bright gleam of the gas danced through the fanlight upon the patterned wall. I went thoughtfully down to the basement where my mother was cooking and asked about the lady. There is no one, child, she exclaimed. It was the shadow of somebody in the street, perhaps. I described her little pleated frill and the way her skirts hung over a quilted petticoat. Mother was very quiet. Then she changed the conversation, asking me if we would all like to make treacle toffee, for soon it would be Guy Fawkes Day and we should have fireworks. We made the toffee and I thought no more of the lady, nor did I see her again. But my mother looked at me sometimes with a curious glance, as if she were anxious about me. I overheard my father say very impatiently, Nonsense, Carlin. I don't believe such moonshine, you with your country superstitions. You say she has inherited second sight from your grandmother. I think she needs fresh air, and these things wouldn't happen. That winter was very long. I got one cold after another, and then I was very ill. When I came downstairs, I was weak and wretched, and I wanted nothing at all. Penelope must go away, my mother said firmly. All three of them are ill, with this terrible winter of snow and fogs. I'm going to write to Thacker's farm and see if Aunt Tissy will have them. My mother spent a long time writing the letter that night, offering two pounds a week for the lot of us, and we were a hungry three, but that was all she could possibly afford. A few days later, the letter came from Thacker's. Dear niece Carlin, I was very pleased to receive your letter. I am sorry the children are badly. I've talked it over with Brother Barnabas, and we shall be glad to take them. I wish I could do it for nothing, but we have had some losses of stock, and the hard winter has made everything dear. We will meet the children if you let us know the train, and we will do our best to make them happy. I have no more news at present, dear niece Carlin. Your affectionate aunt, Cicely Ann. Tabiner. And we all shouted together, Hurrah! When can we go? Our suitcases were brought out and swallowed all we put inside, and at last we set off to St. Pancras and the Express, which speeded north through the centre of England. We had to change at Derby, and a different atmosphere enveloped us as we got into the slow train. It was market day, and people crowded into our carriage. Stout folk with baskets of cabbage plants and bags filled with sausages and pork pies and fresh herrings. And as each large person peered in at the open door at the already full seats, the others called, Come along in, there's plenty of room for a little one. They all knew one another, and we three squeezed together in the space of one, listened to their talk of the price of cattle, the frost of winter, and deaths and births. A stout lady offered us humbugs from a paper bag, and we looked out at the darkening landscape, with a village here and there and woods and hills, 
and the little wild river which ran foaming alongside. At each station somebody got out, and the rest cried, Good night, and sent messages to those at home. Then we came to our station, and as we walked down the platform, we were hailed by an enormous old man wearing a great top hat, his red smiling face wreathed in whiskers. Be ye niece Carlin's children from London? he asked. I'm your uncle Barnabas. And he shook hands, imprisoning our fingers in his great palms so that mine ached for half an hour afterwards. Welcome, said he. I'm right glad to see you. He swept up our bags as if they were straws, and I sniffed the cold-scented air as if I could never get enough of it. There was not a light in the countryside, nothing at all except the river which we could hear roaring in its rocky bed. Then we saw the cart, with its lamps and rugs and cushions piled.